Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. How many is thankful that we serve a risen Lord this morning? I'm thankful that we do. As we said in opening, that's, that's why you and I have hope today. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, I challenge you to read that sometime today. Uh, if you ever wonder about the importance of the resurrection, read 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And uh, to quickly summarize it, if Christ is still in the grave, then our faith is in vain, and you and I are yet in our sins. And uh, our only hope is that he got up, and thank God we know he did this morning. And uh, I'm thankful we have something to rejoice about and be excited about, and that is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for it today. Appreciate the good singing, and uh, thankful for the talents that God has blessed this congregation with, and uh, don't want to take that for granted. And uh, I'm thankful this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter number 5. Acts chapter number 5. Acts chapter number 5. We'll begin reading verse number 17 and want to read down through verse number 32. And uh, as you find your place, if you would, stand this morning in honor and reference to the word of the Lord as we read. Verse 17 says, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors, and brought them forth, and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to, all, to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Do not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. If you would, pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you for your kindness. God, I thank you for your mercy and your goodness. And Lord, I'm thankful for your power that raised up our Savior, God, on the third day. And Lord, I'm thankful that he died for us, Lord, that God, he was not just uh, in a place of, of unconsciousness, but Father, he died in our place. And Lord, then on the third day he arose, and Father, we, our hearts rejoice in that. And God, I pray that you'd help us to have a fresh understanding and a fresh realization of Easter, God, and what it is that it means for our life. 
And Father, if someone's here today and they're lost and God, they've never put their faith in the resurrection, in the Savior that died for them. God, I pray that today would be that day, that God, you would do that work in them that, Lord, only you can do, Father. God, give them that second birth, Lord, that is necessary to enter into the kingdom of heaven. God, I ask that you'd help me to clearly present your truth this morning, to clearly present the gospel, to handle your word with integrity. And the Father, that what I say would be exactly what you would say this morning, that what I say is truly what thus saith the Lord. And Father, help us to be attentive this morning. God, all the distractions, all the other things that our mind sometimes can set on, Father, I pray that you remove those things. And God, help us to settle our focus upon you and hear what you have to say to our lives. God, I pray that we'd move from this service, God, and be transformed by the power of your word. And Father, we thank you for your kindness once again. And all these things we ask in the names above every name. Amen. Thank you for standing this morning. Has anyone ever asked you to relay a message to someone else? We probably don't experience this too much anymore because of cell phones and technology. If you want to give somebody a message, it's just as, I mean, it takes more time for you to tell somebody else to send that message to someone than you could just send someone a text or reach out to them through some social media app and get them the message yourself. But maybe still yet, you find yourself in a conversation and you say, tell so-and-so I said hello. A lot of times when people talk to me, they'll ask me how my parents are doing or ask me how my brothers are doing and a lot of times when that conversation comes to an end or I tell them how they're doing, they'll say, well, tell them I was asking about them or tell them I said hello. And my next question to that would be, have you ever not been, faith, have you ever not been a faithful messenger? Have, have someone ever told you to say, tell so-and-so I said hello or tell so-and-so this or tell so-and-so that? Maybe you failed to tell them. And a lot of times that's not very significant. If someone tells me to tell my brothers they said hello and I don't tell them, well, that's not going to be the end of the world other than I should try, if I tell somebody I'm going to share that message with someone, I should be more concerned with doing so, but no, no significant information is lost other than that concern that, that my brothers maybe would have saw that someone had for them. But there is times when more important message fail, or a more important message fails to be re relayed. I coached football at East last year and DJ helped me, and I don't remember the situation. It was probably a day we didn't have school, but we still had practice, so practice times were a little bit different. And I remember telling the team for, for as long as I knew the information up until that day, the new practice time. Told them every day. But when the, that day came, somebody's, people still showed up early or showed up late, however we moved times, people didn't listen. But I can say I was a faithful messenger. Well, we know in more significant and in that situation, that's a more significant information than just someone saying, tell this person hello. Well, you and I know as God's people this morning that God has entrusted us with a message. God has entrusted us with truth that you and I are to declare as individuals and as we come together as the congregation of Sulphur Springs Baptist Church, God has entrusted us with a message. God commands us to sound forth the message that he has given us, and the culmination of that message is what you and I celebrate and call this day Easter. It's where we, sign, where we focus in on what it is that Jesus has done for you and I. We know that on Friday we recognize that as the day that Jesus died in our place. Jesus was crucified on a Roman cross, and then he was laid in a tomb, and on Sunday morning he arose, he got up, out of the grave. And we know that the Lord, that God our Father expects us to be faithful messengers of this great news. As Paul would explain in 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are ambassadors for Christ. The word ambassadors means we're representatives of another. 
An ambassador is someone that's trusted and respected and authorized to speak for another. The Lord Jesus has entrusted you and I, has made us ambassadors for himself to share the gospel, to share the good news. The Great Commission is given to you and I in several different places in the Bible, but to go back earlier in the book of Acts, Jesus told his followers this. He says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. No one here today can validly argue that God has not called us and God has not challenged us to share the gospel. The record of Acts, as you study through, if you study through the book of Acts, you find that the apostles were not half-hearted or lackadaisical in the call that they had as God's messenger. They took it seriously that God had told them that their Savior had told them to be a witness. You and I, unlike the apostles, we often lack diligence and faithfulness in giving out the message that God has given us. But it should not be so. It's a huge deal this morning if we fail to share the message of Easter. And that is that we serve a risen Lord. We as individuals in our, in our own personal lives and we as a church as we come together cannot be negligent with the resurrection of Christ. It's a message that should ring from this pulpit every time we have a service. It's a, it's a, it should be a centerpiece. The gospel should be a centerpiece of everything that takes place. You take this morning, for example, the drama, if you will, for lack of a better term, that our young people put on, the production, whatever terminology you want to use. It might be a little different than what some people's used to, but there was gospel in that. Gosp that was the center focus of that was the gospel, getting the message of the good news of Christ to you and to me. Everything we do, the gospel should be at the center of it because we have to be faithful with the message. And I'm sure everybody's thinking, well, of course. Of course, we know that, preacher. We have to stay centralized and focused on the message of Easter. Well, my point this morning is then this morning to make to recall that message of Easter to our attention so that by God's grace our, our passion for it might be rekindled. That it might be this morning that we wouldn't just overlook it, that we wouldn't just go through the motions of an Easter Sunday, but the message, the good news of the gospel would settle in upon our hearts and we would get excited about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you and what He's done for me. That our passion to share the message of the gospel, our passion to share forgiveness and our love for the gospel would be rekindled this morning as we study what it is that the gospel message is. That you and I might learn to appreciate it more ourselves. Because we've heard it all our life, many of us. We've grown up around it. So my desire today is to explain to you and I again why we have to maintain faithfulness with the gospel message. It's not just about tradition. It's not just about that we love to gather for a sunrise service and, and we love to, to congregate as a church, but there's more that's taking place in the preaching of the gospel message, the message of Easter, than just tradition this morning. So why is it that we must be faithful? Well, in verses 17 through 28, you'll see it's because there's opposition to the message. There's opposition to what it is that we know as the resurrection. We live in a day where censorship has become a big deal again. It seems to become another one of those hot topic issues. And you and I now, in the day in which we live, see it digitally. I Meaning if you go online, you probably see people talking about their social media accounts were blocked. Maybe you've seen content that gives you the warning, something about... Maybe this hasn't been verified or sometimes it'll put up a thing that you have to click 
that you want to see it because the content is sensitive. But can you imagine trying to censor God? Can you imagine trying to take a message that God wants the world to know and trying to quench it like someone would a fire? Well, that's exactly what the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the Jews, are trying to do in these verses. They ask in verse 28, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? If you go back into the verses where we read the, the apostles had been put in prison, they were released. If you go back to chapter 4 and verse 18, they'd already been told to quit preaching the resurrection, to quit preaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in chapter 4, verse 18, that they called them, this is the Sanhedrin, the Jewish religious leaders, and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. So what, is the apostle, what do the apostles do? They continued preaching the name of Jesus. They went on doing exactly what God had told them to do. So the high priest in verse 17, they continued preaching. God continued to work in, within the church and sick folks are being healed. And So then the high priest, they rise up again. They take them, they put them in prison according to verse 18, verse number 19. And all this is kind of, I say humorous and I don't say that to take away from the text, but because there's some wonderful things taking place here. What I mean by humorous is, is while they're putting them in prison, the angel comes and gets them in verse 19, tells them, he says in verse 20, go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. So again, the angel doesn't get them out of prison and say, okay, shoot, I'm glad we got you out. Go find somewhere to hide. Go, go, go lay low until this, this issue kind of passes. No, the angel gets them out of prison and says, now go back to the temple where you were and begin preaching the gospel yet again. And in verse 21, when they heard that, what did they do? They went to the temple, and they began to preach the Lord Jesus. What I, said, what I was meaning by humorous is then they began looking for, for the apostles. They go looking in the prison. They're not there. And while they're looking for them, they're in the temple preaching, doing exactly what they told them not to do. Then they find out through their collaboration, they figure out they're in the temple, and they're preaching just exactly like they told them they shouldn't be doing. So that's why they gather them in verse 28. And they say, they ask this question, didn't we tell you not to preach in the name of Jesus? Didn't we tell you to drop it? I mean, if they could have, those Jewish religious leaders, if they could have silenced the gospel, if they could have stopped the name of Jesus right there in Jerusalem, they would have done so. That was their goal. If it meant killing the apostles, that's what they do. They didn't want, they were going to stop the name of Jesus, if it were all possible. There was opposition. And I don't have to tell you that if you go outside of these walls very far, you'll find opposition to the gospel message. You'll find opposition to the proclamation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you and I are not faithful, and if you and I are not true, then the world would love to silence the name of Jesus right here in these pews. And it go no further than that. So you and I have to be faithful. Because the world is no more receptive today of the gospel than the Sanhedrin was back in the days of the early church. Why? Because the gospel cut at their pride. The gospel ruined their authority. The gospel ruined their influence. And the gospel does the same today. It cuts at our pride. So people's not often as receptive to it as we would like to see them be. And if, and if, if we're not faithful to the message, the world will let it silence itself out. So you and I have to be faithful because of the opposition that the gospel message may face you and I thankfully God has blessed us we haven't faced a lot of physical opposition to the gospel message the message of Easter maybe you face mental opposition 
as a young person, maybe you've been at school and tried to live out your faith. Maybe you've tried to tell people about Christ and what He's done for you, and you've tried to be excited about the things of God. But maybe you ran into people who made fun of you, who made light of what you were trying to tell them, who discouraged you in trying to do the things you were doing that was in obedience to the will of God. But then we see the faithfulness of the apostles here in these verses, which ought to challenge us. When the world literally said, stop. We don't want to hear it. And you know that the apostles, if they would have stopped preaching, all their, all their trouble, all their adversity, all their difficulty would have stopped. That was, that was the only reason they were being singled out. And if they would have stopped preaching Christ, then all the, the Sanhedrin would have left them alone. Their life would have been smooth sailing. But they could not do it. And you and I, whatever kind of opposition we may face today or tomorrow or in on into the future, it's no excuse. We have to make it our aim to fill our Jerusalems with the doctrine of Christ just like the early apostles did. Isn't that challenging at the end of verse 28? He says, we told you to quit and you filled the entire city with this doctrine. And that ought to challenge us today to be faithful to the news of the resurrection. But also in verse 29, you see, we have to be faithful because God has commanded it of you and I. Verse 29, Peter looks at them. I love, I love his answer. When most of us would have, would have said, all right, you're right, I'm sorry, or, or lacked boldness, or maybe we'd have said, man, it's just not worth it. What does Peter say? He said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Peter took his obedience to God seriously. And you and I need to do the same. Obeying God, sharing the gospel is more than just about not wanting to see people go to hell. And certainly that's part of our desire and why we share the gospel. We want to see people saved. But part of it should be our love and our adoration for God. And for that and because of that, we obey Him. And God has told us, God has commissioned us to share the gospel. And so our heart, our desire should be what Peter says here. I have to obey I can't not share the gospel. God has told me to proclaim it, and I have to be faithful. Now imagine if all of us had that same burden about our faithfulness. And in everything in life, you can apply what Peter is saying. Whenever life presents you with a situation where you have to obey men or you have to obey God, and I can promise you, you'll find yourself in a situation where you have to make that decision many times because we live in a sinful, fallen world. So many times you're going to be faced with doing what men want you to do and maybe what men say is right, maybe things that men accept and say it's okay. When God says it's not or God, has a, God gives us truth that's contradictory to this, it's always right and it's always the right answer to obey God rather than men. That word, that word ought is, speaks of... It's, it's, it means what's necessary, what's, what's fitting, what's required, what's correct. Sometimes we live in a world that paints this picture that there is no wrong answer, but there is. If we disobey God, it's the wrong answer. God must be obeyed in all things, but in the specific to the context and to this text is obedience to carry out the Great Commission to share the good news of Jesus Christ. If you find the world accepting something that God does not or discourages something that God said is, is right, you have to obey God rather than men. It's a, it's a 
wise prayer to pray, to pray that God would help you to obey Him rather than men. To settle it in your heart that when those, when those decisions arise, young person, in your relationships, in the way you live your life, the world's going to accept a lot of things that are contrary to the will of God. I challenge you to make this your, your heart, your desire, God, that I will obey you rather than men. Mom, Dad, you're faced with a lot of things that, again, the world, you could do things that the world would say, that's perfectly acceptable and that's perfectly fine, but God has something else to say about it. I urge you, obey God rather than men. Peter wasn't primarily concerned with fitting in. He wasn't primarily concerned with being popular or having a lot of money. Peter had one main concern, and it was obeying God. And ours needs to be as well. We need to be as bold and constant and clear in our witness for Jesus that Peter and the early apostles were. And I understand that obedience is not always easy. That's, that's, that verse is easy to rally around. That verse is easy to, to say, man, that's, I like that. I love that. I'm going to live by that. But when you're actually in those situations, it's a whole lot different. I mean, again, they're, they're being threatened with jail time, and the only reason they're being nice to them is because the, they're popular with the people, and they don't want the people to get mad at them but you saw, we know how they treated Jesus, and we know from, or we gather from historical records how they eventually treated the apostles. I mean, they tried to kill Paul, and all for their faithfulness to the God. Obedience is not always easy. But one thing I, that kind of resonated with me from that Peter's statement is, Peter didn't have to say, I ought to obey God rather than men. He said, we. Thank God for people that He puts in your life that obey God alongside of you. So that it's not all... Now, if you're in a situation it's just you, it, you, you still have to, to... You still would have to say, I, would, I must obey God rather than men. But pray for God to put people around you that will obey God alongside of you because I promise you that will make it a whole lot easier. I often think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When that music began to play, I just can only imagine it had been so much harder if it was just Shadrach. For him to stand and to him to stand for his faith. But I wonder how much of a comfort it was to know Meshach and Abednego was on either side of him. And I promise you, I promise you, you'll find obedience much easier when you have people alongside of you that will encourage you in that obedience. It makes it so much easier. Pray for God to put people like that in your life. So you don't have to always say, I, I, but you can say we. That you know you've got people alongside of you that will help you and be a positive Christ-like influence upon you. Now imagine if, if Peter looks to his brothers and his fellow apostles and one of them says, Peter, it's not worth it. Just tell them we're, 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 we'll quit talking about Jesus. It's not worth it. I mean, imagine how that influence would have impacted. He might have said, man, you know, you're right. I, it's their loss. They're the ones that have to spend eternity without Christ. We tried. No, they was all together and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. If you have a lot of people around you who have no concern with following out the will of God in your life, no matter how strong you might be and how steadfast you might be in your faith, they will influence you. You always heard it said, the people you hang out with, the people you're around will have an impact upon you, and it's, it's true. Who we spend our time with, who we surround ourselves with, is worth considering. But then finally this morning, and what I'm excited, I'm excited about the whole message, but I'm excited to preach the gospel. One reason you and I ought to be faithful with the gospel is just the content of it. There is no better news for the world to hear than what is contained within the gospel, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? Well, look in verse number 30. 
The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Jesus, we know, died an awful death. You and I can never fully, under, fully comprehend all the pain, all the misery, but you and I can read enough to know it was, it was awful. Words probably can't describe the pain he bore, the mockery he faced. 1 Peter 2.24 explains it precisely. It says, Who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. You see, sin is trespassing against God. It's rebelling against Him. It's to miss the mark. And we're all guilty of it. Everybody in here. I don't have, I've, over the last few weeks, I've gotten to know many of you and, and still learning about you and your families. But all of us, if I haven't met you, I can say all of us this morning, based upon the Word of God, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. And the consequence of that is death. It's separation from God. It's the wrath of God because He is just and must punish sin. He can't just sweep it under the rug. But it's in that awful condition where you and I are dead in our trespasses and sins. You and I are under the wrath of God because of our sin. But it's in that wonderful, wonderful, at that place that the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ comes in. Instead of you enduring the consequences of your sin, Jesus Christ has endured that for you. He was treated as a sinner so that you might go free, so that you could be treated as righteous. When you look in the Old Testament and see all the lambs that were sacrificed, lamb after lamb after lamb, those lambs were sacrificed and those lambs died so that the people did not have to. Those lambs died for the sins of the people, so the people could go free. Well, that's what Jesus Christ did as the Lamb of God. He died so that you and I did not have to. The punishment that was due our sin was laid upon Him so that you and I might go free and be free from the consequences of our sin. That's the gospel this morning. That's what Peter declares unto these individuals that he was died, he, cru he died, he was crucified. And then verse number 30 says, the God of our fathers raised him up. That's the gospel this morning. Why did he do that? Why did he get up? Why did the power of God raise him? It's so that he would be exalted. He made him a prince and a savior and wise to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. When Jesus Christ got up out of the tomb and ascended back to the Father, God was exalting him, made him a prince. The word prince speaks of him being a pioneer, meaning he was the first fruits. He got up out of the grave, and one day we'll get up out of the grave. He was our pioneer in that, and he's a Savior. Again, meaning if we put our faith in him, embrace him, embrace all of who he is, his virgin birth, his perfect sinless life, his deity, his death, his resurrection, if we embrace all that, he is our Savior. Just like Again, that picture of the Old Testament, those lambs, when they died, the people were no longer under the consequences of their sin. That's what Jesus did for you and I. That's why He's our Savior. And why did all this take place? It's so that you and I would come to repentance. We, at this particular time, the gospel message, he, Peter is preaching to Jews, to Israel. But you know, we know that, like especially Acts 9, God would save Paul and then send him to the Gentiles. The message is for the Jew and Gentile. God is no respecter of persons. So God 
had His Son crucified. God raised Him from the dead so that you this morning would repent and have forgiveness of sins. You see, those Jewish leaders, some of them would have been involved in Jesus' death. And what they had to do, what Peter's saying you must do in response to the gospel, is you have to repent. You have to admit that you were wrong. That Christ is the way of salvation, the only way. Where they had crucified Christ, now they must embrace Him. Again, I said the gospel cut at your pride. They had denied Him, mocked Him. And now Peter's saying, you're going you're to have to turn to him. You're going to have to bow at his feet. That's the gospel this morning. But if you embrace him, listen, if you embrace him, if you embrace all the truth of the gospel, then what does the text say? You can have forgiveness of your sin. You can be pardoned. You see, sin has to be answered for, and either you're going to answer for it, or you can trust Christ and that he answered it for you. One of my favorite texts of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that He was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And that's the gospel. Your sin is going to have to be answered for. And either you can in an, eternity place, in an eternal place called hell, or you can trust in the Redeemer. That all this is not just something that we've made up, but it's truth. That Christ came and died for you. And when Peter says in verse 32, we are his witnesses of these things. Peter says, I'm telling you, this is the truth. But not only that, not only is it Peter's witness, but he says, so, so also is the Holy Ghost. So if you don't believe me, you won't believe Peter, believe the Holy Ghost who says the same thing that I'm trying to tell you this morning. Again, everything in our faith is wrapped up in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If he's still in the tomb... We have no hope. We have no forgiveness of sin. You see, people, people don't like to feel guilty. And they, a lot of people don't like for their preacher to make them feel guilty. But I want, to be honest with you this morning, I want you to feel guilty. And listen, and this is why. Because what good is, for, forgiveness is going to mean absolutely nothing to you unless you see first you're guilty. Because I want you to feel guilty so that then I can bring, so then the gospel can usher in. What, what, a Savior, one that can forgive your sins is not going to mean anything to you until you see your wrongdoing. And we're all sinners this morning. You're not hiding anything. I'm not hiding anything. We're sinners. We're guilty. All of us. Nobody likes to be made... At the end of verse 28, they said, you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They didn't like to feel guilty. They understood Peter was calling them out. They had messed up. They had done wrong. But then again, Peter's saying, if you'll repent, if you'll turn to Christ, you can have forgiveness. That's what I'm telling you this morning. We're all guilty. We've all trespassed the law of God. And you can't, you can't do enough good things to counteract that bad thing you've done. You have to look to Christ and believe upon Him. Through Jesus Christ, you can be pardoned. You can be released from your debt to sin. We often share big news by saying, a lot of times this is probably our leeway into gossip, which is a whole nother, a whole nother message, a whole nother thing we'll have to worry about another day. But we might say something like, you can't tell anybody what I'm about to tell you. And usually, again, that, that's, that's, that's never a good way to start a conversation. Because that means you're probably talking about something, maybe you should just not be a fire spreader and just quench things. But that's how a lot of times we spread big news. 
But as you, as you stand with me this morning, Brother Mark, if you want to come around to lead us in a song, God is not like that with the gospel. It's the greatest news the world will ever know, ever could know. And God didn't begin it by saying, you, you can't tell anybody what I'm about to tell you. No, God is the very opposite. God said, I want you to go be a witness unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and he said, just spread out to the othermost parts of the earth. We have to be faithful with the message of Easter, the resurrection, because the world will hush it as much as possible if we let them. And God has commanded us to be faithful. But also we must stick with it because that's the message the world needs to hear so badly. We're all sinners. We're all guilty. But thank God for a Savior who we can trust, embrace, and know that He died for our sins so that you and I can go free from the debt that we owe. If the Lord has dealt with your heart, I challenge you to come this morning, place your faith upon Him, and you can be saved. He will not turn you away. The people that He's talking to in the text, that Peter's calling to for repentance, they were the very ones involved in crucifying Him. And He still says, if you'll repent, there's forgiveness for your sins. If you repent this morning, no matter your backstory, no matter your backdrop, none of that matters. He's a Savior for you this morning if you'll come. Brother Mark, you come around and lead us in a song. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.